welcome to uh, Film Ireland Podcast. I'm Paul Farron. I had the pleasure of talking to Ivan Cavanagh about his new film, Never Grow Old, which opens on the 23rd of August. Do go and see it. Ivan, I'm going to get you to give me the synopsis for this film because I'll only ruin it. Okay. So tell us what Never Grow Old is about. <clears throat> I'm terrible at this. Um, it's about an um, undertaker, an Irish undertaker in 1849 in America. And uh, he has a family and they live in a town called Garlow, which is on the California Trail. And he's doing okay, you know. Business is just, just about getting by, you know, just about feeding his family. But during this time, the California gold rush is going on, so he's itching to get to California to make his fortune like so many others did, you know. And uh, But his wife wants to stay. She's settled there. She's happy there. Um, one night, these outlaws come to town, led by Dutch Albert, played by uh, John Cusack. And suddenly, the body count starts to rise in the town. And as the body count starts to rise, so do the undertaker's profits. And uh, so he has this moral dilemma then, and it's only a matter of time before the violence comes to his own doorstep, you know. And to find out more, go and see the film. Yeah, that'd be great. Especially on the cinema, because I, I really made this for the widescreen, you know, experience, yeah, cinema. Yeah, a lot of people don't seem to understand that. They think that their screens are big enough. <laughs> um, I, I'm guilty of it yeah, myself yeah. of films I know that I've yeah. seen on television, and I haven't made that extra effort when it was out to just yeah. get it in that place and that mood. Yep. And some films require also not just the big screen, but the lack of distraction of your home. That's actually, uh, absolutely. And, and the way we, um, we model this film, the look of the film on, on films from the 70s, like McCabe and Mrs. Miller and Heaven's Gate, which was 80, but it's filmed in the 70s. And so it needs to be seen in total darkness, you know, so you can, you can be enveloped in the atmosphere of it, you know. And the night in this film should feel like real night, you know? And uh, so it needs to be seen on the big screen and also with the sound loud, you know? Uh, one amazing thing, I, I just to get this out of the way, is that you shot, didn't shoot this in America? No, we shot it between Luxembourg and uh, Connemara, Uchterart. I take it most of your main exterior locations were in Ireland? Yeah, I, all of the town stuff was in Ireland and all of Patrick's, which is the main character's house and cottage or, or log cabin and barn was in um, Luxembourg and all the cemetery stuff as well. It, it was beautiful. It looked amazing. And uh, that Connemara really passed for that kind of muddy, that muddy west that we know that crept more into later 60s and 70s American films. Oh, I, I love the that first stuff. one that came to mind was Dirty Little Billy. With Michael J. Pollard, I don't know if you saw it. I've actually not seen, I missed that you, one. I think you'd like that one. Oh, yeah. It's very hard to get. I haven't okay. seen it in a million years, but that was all. I always remember the, the reading about the director saying that he wanted to create like the interiors were like a weird little womb stuck inside a muddy, wow, I like that, a, a muddy exterior. That's nice. And mud would be a key thing in this film. That, that oh, kind of God, yeah. grungy that, kind of atmosphere you created with uh, that location. That came out of uh, because it took so long to get off the ground. You know, um, I began writing it in two thousand and seven. And it didn't take that long to write, maybe two or three years. And I, 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 I kept rewriting it over the years, but nothing major, you know. And uh, But the financing, it almost came together two or three times, but it fell apart, like films do. And especially one as ambitious as this, you know. And uh, But in that time, I was able to make uh, Our Wonderful Home and The Fading Light and The Canal and do a lot of writing as well. But anyway, in that t those 10 years, I was able to do so much research, you know. So uh, I really got lost in the research, you know, and, and I collected thousands of photographs from archives from all over the world and from online as well. And I started to see the similarities between some parts of America, especially the Nebraska and 
the Connemara landscape, that rocky, hilly, muddy landscapes, you know, barren landscapes. And I thought, why not? Why can't we do it? Especially for a Western like this, which is really claustrophobic, you know? Well, yeah, because uh, we, we, our Wild West, kind of uh, generic Wild West comes from California. Yeah. Which is just one small state Desert, in yeah. America. Yeah, yeah. That's true. Uh, and it took a long time to break that mold and all, all the TV experts, all the cowboys at home that's true. Are sitting in rooms. Yeah, but yeah. that's not the Wild yeah. West. It's amazing how, the, how in, the, in, in the public's, general public's consciousness, the Western has become the spaghetti Western. That's what they think of now. They don't think of the classic John Ford Westerns anymore. They think, because I've been saying yeah. this about this over the years, and they've, they've, they've always referenced spaghetti westerns. But do you think it's just it's a younger generation at the moment, more vocal, fair. and our older forebears who get would have raised us on, on a few westerns yeah. don't talk about it so much? And I think so. And I think it's, it's a matter of going back to the source. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm still a fan of I mean, it's really interesting looking at that growth that, that it, this, this 60s and European Westerns achieved. Yeah. Event like the, the German Westerns of the 60s were yeah. a little bit closer to what you're doing in some ways, but more yeah. romantic. Yeah. Because you're still very dark and, and a very dark drama yeah. Yeah, yeah. underneath. I but do the, like some uh, spaghetti Westerns now. There's a great one, um, uh, The Great Silence with... Uh, I, I have it on DVD at home waiting for me. It's amazing. It came from South Korea. That's how I felt where I think Wow, it's amazing. <laughs> I have it uh, on DVD as well. And, uh, I, I'm a big Leone fan, I have to say now. Yeah. I, I, I won't deny, but haven't denied it. Well, who is it? There'll be a fight. Yeah. But no, that is a beautiful one. And again, another one that r- reminded me of yours because of the na- the nature and the location it went for, yeah. which is snow and mountains. Yeah. And for Carucci as well, I think that, that is him at a higher level than I've Well, I'd the first seen. Django film was a very muddy film as well, you know? That's right, yeah. 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 That was the first time he ever seen that. Although I'd say he got it from, and I got it from. The main inspiration for it was that, and um, the town in Shane. Yes, which is not the interiors. Now I'm always a bit thrown by the interiors in Shane because they seem they really seem like a studio to me. But the exteriors, that town is amazing. The, the attention to detail there is amazing. It's straight from the photographs that I've seen, you know, and the muddy streets and that amazing scene when uh, Eliza Cut Junior. Uh, he doesn't want to get his new boots um, dirty, so he tiptoes across the street to the bar, and Jack Palance uh, blocks his way. He says, where are you going? And he ends up shooting him, and the indignity of poor Elijah Cook as he flies back into the mud. And oh, I just, it's, a beautiful, it's a beautiful, terrible scene. Oh, yeah, and it's a beautiful scene, and that really stuck for me from when I was a child, you know? There's a wonderful similar moment in your own film with the poor little card player. Yeah. Up again, Kuzak. Yeah, yeah. That was a nice little tense moment there. I like it. Yeah. Again, if you want to know about it, go and see it. Um, but but back again. So your influences. What was the kernel influence for you to write this? Um, it was actually uh, I was t- I was having a conversation with a friend of mine. He was an actor, a long time ago, and uh, he saw himself as a more of a leading man type, like a Clint Eastwood. Uh, you know, rugged, silent. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but he wasn't. He was more of a character actor. But he hated that that I said that. But he later learned that and he made a good living from it, you know. But anyway, um, I said, uh, joking, I said, uh, I see you as the Weasley um, Undertaker character who runs out and grabs the bodies in and then someone throws him money and everyone despises him. And there's always one in almost every Western, you know. Spaghetti Westerns, classic Westerns, everywhere. But, but they kind of really made a lot of it. The, the, the coffin became a real symbol in spaghettis. <laughs> Absolutely. And in the, some, what was that? Django? Django Kill is one where yeah, he has, Kill. has this Gatling gun inside the... Uh, That's right, yeah. Inside I, the coffin, I think. Is, it the Frank, is that a Frank O'Neill one as yeah, well? that's right. And then there's the one with Terence Hill where they buried them and they're all reborn because they haven't actually been killed. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. I like that one. But anyway, um, as I went home and I was only... I began to think, well... 
what if this guy was a real guy with a real family? And I, and I started to think, that's, I've never seen that in a Western, you know, that's a good take on it. And I wrote it over a weekend of treatment and I sent it to uh, um, Simon Perry, who used to run the Irish Film Board, and he said that he loved it. So I submitted it and I got uh, first draft funding, I think, and I went on from there. That was the kernel of the idea, but the main inspiration came from those photographs. And, I, and just before we started filming, I, I, I gave all those thousands of photographs and research material to all of the crew, the H HODs, you know, and I said, don't watch any Westerns. Just we go, let's go back to the source and we might come out with something a little bit original or, or something we haven't seen before, you know, or even moments of something we haven't seen before, you know. Yeah, it's a strange thing as well, because the, the Western is so imbued in us as little viewers, even as kids, we don't even know it half the time. Yeah. But those are weird little values that were floating around our heads. Yeah, and, 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 it, and it leaked into different genres as well, like uh, science fiction, Star Wars is a Western, basically. Well, it's living in science fiction at the moment. It's science fiction is the new Western. Yeah, and in um, Walter Hill, he, no matter what genre he was doing, he always seemed to be making a Western. Like, um, yeah, uh, Southern Comfort is a Western of sorts, and... Uh, I love Walter Hill's. Yes, stuff, yeah, yeah. Extreme Prejudice would be a great example. That was his yeah. his Sam his, his Sam Packenbaum movie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's a gem. And sorry, and I love uh, the the Long Riders. Yeah, I was just talking about it today. Oh, it's um, just, that opening of it. I don't know what it is. This this little slow mo, the, the credit sequence of a slow motion shot of the, all the guys riding towards the camera, and they have that beautiful music. Just something always makes me. I don't know, really melancholic Who watching that. that? Was that, was that Roy Cooter? Cooter was Cooter. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, a beautiful yeah. score. Beautiful, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and again, the, the, what, what is it about the Western now? It's not going away. It's, it's, it, thankfully, it's proven hard to kill. Yeah. And I think, as you say, the values, if you don't see it in, with the cowboy hats and the, and the horses, yeah. the values are still there. Very much an American thing. Yeah. And the frontier mentality is still yeah. ingrained for the negative to some degree yeah, yeah. in the psyche of Americans. But, is it, what is the, do you think that the, the Western still managing to just tentatively hold on? I think you can explore, you know, there are usually simple morality tales, a lot of them, but within that you can explore an awful lot about contemporary society. And um, uh, the American West was, um, it was like human beings at the most extreme, you know? They were out of reach of re any real law, and any law that wa there was, it's, it was really extreme, you know? Uh, it was kind of Old Testament law they had in the, in the West, an eye for an eye, and, and still there in American uh, justice system, definitely, you know? Yeah, and, and this love of the outlaw is always a kind of funny one because they're the ones that they would rather, the psycho outlaws and the hero outlaws. Yeah. And anyone who knows a little bit of history about the ranchers and that know that like they were the worst outlaws of all. Absolutely. They yeah. just managed to turn yeah. it into business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's the, the weird, uh, what would you say, contradiction that yeah. Americans have in their heads all the time. Yeah, it's it amazing. Yeah, some of them, I think, uh, they still think they're in the, in the Wild West, you know? I mean, didn't George Bush go to war with Iraq to revenge his, his daddy against uh, Saddam Hussein, you know? <laughs> Yeah, Which they, is a, they, it was they, a classic uh, Western plot, you know. Yeah, well, I think, but, but on a massive, yeah, very true, crazy very true. scale, you know. Um, tell me this: it must have been a big deal to be able to attract Emil Hirsch and Kuzak to the project. Yeah, um, well, who came on board first? I think it was John Kuzak came on board first. Yeah, he he's an underrated actor. He's had. A, I he think, has been lately. Yeah, I think that's because he went off the right, and and I think he did it by choice. I think he became, I don't want to speak for him, um, but I think he became disillusioned maybe with Hollywood or something, you know, I'm not sure. But um, he kind of made under the radar uh, films that 
and he wasn't maybe given any challenge to give his best, you know. But he really responded to the script and he really responded to my way of working as well, which I think is why we got on so well and why I was able to get such a good performance from him and such a committed performance as well. I give um, character histories to all of the actors, every single one of them. So they have the history of the character from the moment the character is born to the moment the film starts. And I, get, I gave one to John Cusack and Emil Hirsch, all of them. And um, But John came back with a book, like a giant notebook full of his own ideas, expanding on what I had written, you know. And that's the first time another an, an actor has ever done that. And I thought that was fantastic, you know. And we'd be up like uh, until two o'clock in the morning before a shoot. And we'd be discussing the ideas and, and he was so into it. It was, it was amazing. It was really a great collaboration, you know. But it's a great testimony to your own ideas and to feel an interest from another actor from an actor is a brilliant thing. Absolutely. Um, I was uh, reading John Berman talking about Richard Burton in uh, Heretic. Oh, yeah. It was quite the opposite. Yeah. He oh, said really? He was ultimately professional, but the poor man was a major alcoholic and yeah. he was on the drawing. He said he was just dead from the... You can the, feel it in the performance the, as well in the Heretic. Oh, yeah. He said, if you look at it, he's, 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 he's saying the words, but he has no commitment he's whatsoever. Detached. Yeah. It's a strange film, that, isn't it, Heretic? Yeah. It's, it, it, it has a moment of, John, John of makes amazing visuals. Yeah. And it's got a Morricone score. <laughs> it's great, Morricone score. Yeah, it's great. Uh, the man could he could even at his worst, he was at his best. <laughs> amazing, amazing. He just went totally wild for that one, you know. But did, did you? It was is Kuzak's background method, or where is he I don't know. From we never discussed that, but I felt like it was. I mean, he, he, I, we were emailing recently, and he was um, the film opened in France, and he was really delighted with the reviews there because they really because oh, they were really intellectualized the film uh, and saw the political aspects of it as well, you know which he, he loved. And um, uh, anyway, we, we were talking about um, being on set and he, he said it wasn't always easy for him because he felt he was bringing the character home with him. And people on set felt like he was un, like he couldn't approach him. He felt like detached. And I think he probably was in character for the whole lot because on the very last day, he just that, that all just melt, melted away and people couldn't believe how nice and, and charming he was and suddenly he was John again, you know what I mean? Well, the character, uh, Dutch Albert, he comes across to me as someone who actually kind of doesn't even like himself. No, he's, he's totally disillusioned yeah. and tired of everything. Yeah. And he, I think Dutch Albert is looking for someone to kill him. He's like the most... It, uh, when I watched it, I, what struck me was that he was probably the most honest person in the entire film. That's 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 so funny because John, uh, me discussed that, he always tells the truth. He's always honest, no matter how horrible. And, does they like the, and he brought a lot of humour to it as well. I thought there was more laughs in there than you got from the audience. I think everyone... <laughs> I, I laughed. If you, see, like, if you had to say me, I'm laughing all the way through it. I think John is hilarious in it. I mean, the humor was written in there, but what he did was we, was something brilliant, I thought. And I, I wrote the character as something a bit bigger, mm-hmm. performance-wise. No, he, he saw it as a more softly spoken character, almost to a whisper, which, which yeah. worried the sound guy no end, I can tell you. But, okay, yeah. But, uh, but, the, but the humor he really got, you know? Yeah, he's like a puppet that can see the strings. <laughs> yeah, and he's taken, I think he's taken the piss with Patrick all the way through it, you know? Because there's all that very tense scene with the... The, the wife of the guy that he's been after and she wants to become a prostitute because yeah. she, again she's been pushed out by the, the religious types yeah. in town yeah. and it was something in that I was like you really are kind of trying to almost not judge him until he goes and pushes to a certain point and then he says that then, horrible thing yeah yeah, and then you go and yet he, you feel he knows exactly where everything's going to go yeah that he is, but again, we should go and see it for themselves and where, where that came from that because at the end of that he says thanks for coming have a good day. 
Yeah. And that came from, uh, I remember um, I made a, a short film years ago and I got into slam dance and that was my first trip ever to America in 2003, I think mm. it was. And um, I couldn't get over how polite the Americans were, you know? Yes, yes ma'am. Yeah. No, ma'am. Uh, so unbelievably polite. I think this, I thought these people are great. And then you go on, go back to the motel and you turn on the news and the local news is on shooting here, shooting. They're killing each other all over the place, you know? And I'm thinking, they must smile and say, thank you, ma'am, just before they kill you, you know? Or thank you, sir, whatever. But, but, but my girlfriend's a comedian. She has this routine where she goes on a bit, the Yankees, I love you. I love you, ma. I love you, dad. Yeah. He says, sir, they must love each other as much as they love shooting each other. <laughs> That's great. But there is that weird thing. It's yeah. like, I was so, funny, I was talking to a friend earlier, we were talking about working, he's working with Americans on, on a film, and he said, they couldn't get over the sorry thing. We said, we're always saying sorry. We're always apologizing and for he something. Said, yeah. And then they turn around and go, well, it's okay, well, what are we doing now, sir? Sir, yeah. <laughs> I think it's kind of nice as well, but uh, I was very unnerved by the juxtaposition of violence and politeness, you know? And I, that went straight into the, into the script, you know? Yeah, it's like, nobody seems to mean it and buy it. They're just doing it. Yeah. Uh, it's, just, it's just business and the way John saw it was uh, Dutch Albert was, was, was a personification of capitalism he's mm-hmm. a pure unfeeling capitalism you know uh, and everything's about a money exchange you know yeah, yeah and, and, but it. that's where he saw honour and loyalty was all to do with the, the dollar yeah he saw this is just a business transaction you know we, we kill a couple of friends and, but we give them an honourable burial because they once were friends you know yeah, which is again a key early scene. We'll, we'll set, let them save for themselves in yeah. the audience, which I love, by the way. Yeah. There's something about that entrance at the start of that scene, which they'll have to see for themselves. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we keep them teased. Yeah, yeah. But Emil Hirsch now, and a different kind of actor. Or More was, instinctual. Yeah. Uh, where John liked to discuss everything, um, every nuance, every line, everything. He wanted to know why he was saying it, which is fine. Um. But they're fair questions, especially because they're, they're a good challenge to you as the, the owner of the story and the way of telling the story. So yeah, I mean, uh, if you don't know those, the answer to those questions on, yeah. the, on a, a certain level, then you, know, you, you, you wouldn't even trust yourself. Exactly. And all actors are different. So I'm willing to go to any lengths to get the performance I want from an actor, you know. And uh, I've seen that with other actors, but not to that extent, I have to say. Mm-hmm. Whereas Emil, if you discussed it with him too much, I found that he lost it. He yeah. over, he over t- uh, he would overthink it and overanalyze it, and all the spontaneity would go. So I wouldn't discuss any motivation with with the meal. I just let him go. And, and how did that work in scenes where Kuzak and uh, Hirsch were together? Well, uh, very quickly. I mean, it was a huge cast. This is the biggest cast I ever had. You know, to say there's three main actors, and the main actors were Cusack, um Emil Hirsch, and Deborah Francois, who played um, uh, Hirsch's wife. And um, three of them couldn't be further apart in their methods, you know. Cusack was totally, uh, once he discussed it, he was, every scene was different. Uh, he would improvise constantly. I gave him that freedom, you know. So improvise around the script. So he would never be the same structure, always different, you know. So um, uh, Emil would be always to the script and always consistent. But always good, you know, always something interesting. And I, I'd be able to give him subtle little changes. Whereas Deborah was always good on the first two takes. And after that, she became weaker, I found, you know, less uh, real and spontaneous. So I'd always shoot her first. And uh, and then Cusack. 
and I could spend I could spend all day shooting Cusack sometimes getting so much footage you could get carried away it's, it's a real key thing to know isn't it as a director early yeah. in the day who's the strongest not, not strongest or weakest but the different when approaches when they're strongest and where the energies go because yeah. a, a lovely thing a director said one time which I loved was that he said you can you can say the line a million times but your eyes won't say the line a million times yes yeah. And that's very important because if yeah. it's not going on in the eyes, yeah. the mouth could be saying anything you like. But John as well, he was so uh, generous as well. He um, he was some to sometimes do stuff that I wish he had done on, on on camera to other actors just to get the reaction out of them, you know. So sometimes I wished I had two cameras always with him. Yeah. Because um, sometimes I miss stuff that was off camera. You know? well, well, what were the kind of challenges then with, say, those three different approaches and then keeping the momentum going with everybody and that energy alive especially you know I, I mean you've got a good cameraman there as far as I know you worked with uh, is it Pierce uh, if, uh, three times now was it no twice, twice twice yeah maybe so, doing the next one as well so you have a nice relationship there so he knew what you were like and, and again you had a very strong style that allowed for a lot of freedom for the actors as well a lot of freedom yeah yeah I usually do takes on the script and off the script and if I trust the actor I allow them to take it anywhere they want to go you know um, I don't know it's I don't know you just learn it uh, it's just pure instinct you know you know who to, who to shoot first and who to leave last you know I could always leave a, a meal last because he was consistently good so it's kind of nice. yeah. it's a schizophrenic thing that directors develop yeah. over many projects I think so it's just yeah. instinct you know and then uh, sometimes if an actor wasn't getting it uh, in, a, in a scene opposite uh, John Cusack I could whisper it in John Cusack's ear and tell him to say something to get a real reaction out of him and he was fantastic at that you know fantastic he could really intimidate him if he wanted to you know by just saying just throwing them completely and yeah. he, I, I would get that reaction that I wanted um, instantly he was amazing at that how long were you shooting for on the exteriors? Uh, it was mostly the whole film was nearly all, all exteriors you know to be 70% honest 70% at least wasn't it? yeah yeah it was, I mean um, even the interiors were reliant on exterior uh, yeah. understanding. That's because they were real buildings. There was yeah. no sets. It yeah. was, uh, John Leslie, who did, it was an absolutely incredible, most incredible production designer I ever worked with. I said to him, I, I want to go, be able to go in and out of buildings with the camera, you know? Uh, so was the saloon a, a studio or a building? No, a structure? Oh, an actual structure. Fantastic. With a, yeah. Like where the bedrooms were really upstairs. Uh, it was real wood. It was, it was, we actually burned it down. Well, uh, yeah, I had a feeling you did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was, it was just, and he did. It was what I always wished for. It went through over the ten years. People were saying, oh, "We're going to have to shoot some in studio. You can't shoot it all on location." But somehow it all worked out to what I wanted in the end, you know. And I was able to shoot in a, basically a real town and a real log cabin, and it made all the difference for the actors. You know, it felt like they were living there. You know. And was it a winter shoot or? A, or yeah, it was November, December of um, twenty seventeen. It was absolutely freezing, bitter cold, you know. And the actors in in period costume as well, period shoes. They were ice cold, you know. They must have loved you. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the poor crew. They had to dig the cables out of the mud and. Uh, How many was, weeks? Uh, seven weeks. Seven shoot. weeks. That's yeah. not bad now. It's pretty good for these days. Yeah. You know. And so, have you got Westerns out of your system now? <laughs> no, I was just thinking, I was talking, I met Pierce today, Pierce McGrail, the um, DP, who's amazing, by the way. He's just so yeah, talented, that guy. beautiful you know? work. Beautiful, beautiful. And this is the best uh, I, I think he's done so far, you know. Um, I was just saying, I mentioned to do another one, the Western after this, you know. I didn't think I would be, because I was so exhausted after the shoot. 
But uh, I, I've had, I've been jotting down some ideas, and I'm taking. That's funny. That's something Corbucci used to say. Really? He used to say, "I say to myself, I go on to do a western," and I said, "No, no, I, said, I want to do a, a story about a man with a house and a car." <laughs> and then something happens, and he said, "The Great Silence of one of those films." Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. That something happens, it elevates everything for us, and I go, "I'll do another western." <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, you can take it anywhere as well. The idea I have is takes it in a completely different direction than Never Grow Old, but. I'll see how it goes. It, it, it might come to nothing, but I'm going to keep uh, pursuing it and see what it's like. But I've, you're a filmmaker now for God knows how many years. Uh, what was it? 15, 20 years? 20 years 20 now. 20 years. I think I made my short. Well, I was making short films at home when I was a teenager, just with a, with a high eight camera. Yeah. And I was editing um, using two VHS machines oh, I together. Did that. I used to do that, yeah. <laughs> and um, it, where, I ca- where I came from, it was like the idea of becoming a filmmaker was like, you might as well say you want to be an astronaut or something. It was ridiculous. Yeah, I, know. I mean, nobody in, in, where, in the school I went to went to college or it just, you just got a job. So it all, I mean, I, I made a short film just with some friends and, and they said you should send it to festivals and I had never even thought of that, you know. And then I think it won an award at that and I just snowballed one, from which there. Which one was that? Was it, um, the, what was it called? I can't even remember. It was so long ago. It was. Be, it was. Wasn't. It was before Tin Can. I think came out was your first feature, wasn't it? No, no. Um, your second feature. Third feature. That was. Third. Oh, yes. Yeah. I did the first three self-financed. That's that's right. Yeah. Which I wanted to talk to you about because yeah. I mean that's a, that's a big that's a big ask. Um, I've done it myself once on a feature. Yeah. Oh, oh, and I would do it again. Yeah. Though I say I wouldn't. Yeah. That thing. <laughs> it's been a long time now. I have to say. Yeah. Did how did you find it? I mean, did you have a good support mechanism around you? Was it a good like-minded people or? Yeah, absolutely. That's and that's essential. You know. That's the hardest part. Yeah, isn't and, it? and it's also knowing what the what your strengths are when you when you're shooting with a small crew and with no budget. You know, how how to shoot films like that. You know, and and know the technology as well. Know what's best. Uh, I was shooting with a three chip digital camera back then. I don't know what they use now, you know, for, for low end cameras. But I mean, only a phone. <laughs> yeah, you'll find there was a lot of close ups in my early films because close ups looks already be- always better with three chip digital than wide shots, yeah. you know. And, and black and white could be a helper if, if you were stuck. Definitely, I'm Tinker Man, and and I made another one called The Solution, which is which uh, was black and white as well. And it was actually The Solution, which was my second feature, which um, Simon Perry again from the Irish Film Board, who used to be the head of the film board way back. He saw it at a festival in Paris, and um, okay. I had never uh, applied for any funding or anything like that. I had no producer. I was my own producer. Well, saying no producer, there was no money, basically. I was just, I bought all the equipment myself, so. Uh, well, uh, you were the producer. The thing is, you, you, because you're doing it in such a, a strange way, you don't feel like you deserve the credit of a producer. But yeah, you do. I suppose it is, yeah. I did produce it. Yeah. yeah. Literally. You made the fucking yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he saw that at a festival and his uh, secretary or assistant called me in for a meeting of the Irish Film Board. And I, I remember I, I had never applied for funding ever. And uh, I had looked at the funding uh, application forms and I just got, I said, I don't know what the half of this means. What is a proper budget? I, I don't know. You know, oh, you just get dizzy looking. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, um, he called me in and he said to me, "I loved your film. I thought it was great. And uh, what do you want to do next?" And I was like, totally like a dream come true, you know. And I had uh, I had not, no ideas, and I said, "I'll have a think about it." And I went home and I wrote something over the weekend. I gave it to him on the Monday. He said, "Great, find yourself a producer." I didn't know any producers, and then out of the blue, there was an article about um, me in Film Ireland. I remember. Yeah, and these producers, um, Dominic Wright and Jacqueline Karen, Ripple World Pictures, had read it, and they contacted me out of the blue. And was, it was Ted, the editor of Film Ireland, that time. I can't remember. It's a long time ago. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, and 
so they became the, the producers of that film, which was Our Wonderful Home, and then um, they became the producers of the Western, which I've just made. So it, it, it all fell together, you know. It's just kind of full circle. Yeah, yeah, full circle. Yeah. It, it Park, was it Park Pictures did films? Canal, the, yeah, yeah. The Canal. And I'm doing my next one with Park again. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's called Sun. It's a psychological horror film. It's shooting in America. So, I mean, again, it's something that I recommend to people. If you want to learn how to do it, go and do it. I never, I mean, people always ask me, well, well, or how did you do it? Or what would you recommend? But everyone, if you read enough biographies and stuff, everyone does it differently. Yeah. Some, for some people doing it the way I did it, it would be a nightmare. It wouldn't work out. Or, and some people need to structure a film school. Uh, I, I know I would have been lost in that environment. Because I'm not a naturally... Um, Did you do any college work at all? No, none. Yeah, so you basically just made it. Yeah, so self, being self-taught worked for me, but I, I wouldn't recommend it to everyone. Of course. Yeah, yeah. But but I still, if you have the passion, it's going to mark yeah. whether you've got the passion to continue with it. I think you know, I mean... And some people want to work within a system where they're just doing a job for somebody, but you, you're a kind of auteur in, in that regard that you... Yeah. you you're, you're generating your work. I, I think yeah. you may have done some co-writing, have you? I don't even know. No, never. But do you just do, 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 write, do your own writing? Do my own stuff, yeah. yeah. Actually, I've done some ghostwriting when I was hard up a while okay. back, but um, I didn't enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, because do, do you feel that, the, the, do you have a good creative control then with your work or would you be uh, listening to other people? Well, obviously you listen to well, other people, but... Saying it, I mean, I know what I want. The book stops with you. Always. Yeah. Everything's filtered through me and everyone who works for me knows that. However, mm-hmm. I'm totally open to ideas and any filmmaker who is, isn't yeah. is, a, is a fool, I think, you know. A total fool. I mean, um, well, you, part of a director's job is to, is to surround themselves with very talented people and the right people for each project, you know. That's one of the main ones. Yeah, yeah. And you want people's, these talented people's ideas, you know. Now, I reserved the right to say no on every idea that they bring to me or, or say yes to the ones I like, you know. And um, another great thing about filmmakers, you don't have to say no immediately. Exactly. Yeah. You can say, okay, let's give it a go. Yeah, yeah. And I'll have a good, yeah, sweet. I'll never say that. <laughs> well, no, you say in your head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Maybe to a difficult actor, but I might say that. It's funny because I said that's, what, that's one thing I like about filmmaking is that nothing's done till it's done, if you know what I mean. Yeah. It's, it's not finished until, in fact, you know, the, the old cliche, if it's not finished until the audience are sitting there watching it. Absolutely. And I find, uh, I always, they always say, well, you're finished writing and now you're ready to shoot. But I feel, no, I'm, I'm still writing when it's shooting. And I'm still writing when it's editing as well. Of course. I mean, the film is constantly evolving. And you'll find that the film will tell you what it wants to be. It's a str- very strange thing. It sounds ridiculous, but well, that, that's what it feels like, you know? Well, yeah, but because you've put that amount of work in it to begin with. Yeah. Otherwise, it doesn't have that conversation with you later yeah. because you, you'd be scrambling to find out what the hell it is. Yeah, and um, uh, also as well, when you're editing, sometimes um, I found, it, well, the, the, the script for the Western, for example, went through a lot of um, drafts. Now, when you're dealing with different financiers over the years, sometimes they ask for a scene to be put in for explanation, say. But I always know that scene is never going to be in the finished but you, yeah, yeah, but so I've no, I, I've no qualms about putting a scene in because I know it'll never be in the film, you know. Yeah. And it was funny with uh, with Never Grow Old. Every scene that was put in as an afterthought by, say, for financiers asked for more explanation or something, it ended up gone in the in the edit because everyone, when they finally see it, they see, oh, we really don't need that, you know. Uh, I don't know what my point is, but <laughs> no, 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 it's, it's just kind of, yeah. as you said, the, the, you're dealing with. with 
from my question, which was about like other people having a bit, having a say in what's going on, yeah, because yeah, yeah, that's they it. might be financing yeah, yeah. it. As you say, that they're worried about clarity as much as people are else. always worried about clarity. You know, you know, especially financiers. Yeah, it's it's kind of overrated clarity, I think. Yeah, and <laughs> and people want ambiguity. They may not know they want it, but they want some form of. If you if you have all the answers at the end of a film, yeah, then you'll never want to but watch see, the film again. There's clarity and there's no? confusion, and they're two different things. That's true. Yeah. Uh, Oh, people confuse them. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I'd, I'd love clarity when I wake up in the morning. That'd be great. <laughs> that's very that's very rare now, yeah. Um, but tell me this. Um, selling a Western must have been tough. It's, it's, it's a funny genre at the moment. As I was saying before we started, this was that it's been some interesting kind of... They're close to the 90, early 1970s Westerns. Um, we've had the Sisters Brothers, uh, Damsel, The Wind, which you rightly pointed out is a remake of a... Swedish film or sorry a Swedish filmmaker silent movie yeah. and um, I, I could think of one or two others but the names don't come to me uh, so and the word art house gets tagged onto these which I, I, I don't like the term because it kind of frightens people away it's the only reason I don't like it I hate the term art, hor- art house horror it's even worse that's the worst yeah, because one because it? it's like you're ashamed of making a horror film or something a posh horror film posh horror film <laughs> oh I'm too good for it to make a horror film you know oh no it's art yeah I think if you're going to make a horror make a fucking horror film you but, know but, but, but you did, was that one of the battles that hey the western how long did it take to convince them that the western was going to go places well the script always see that's the thing with the script it always attracted financiers it always did you know and for different reasons it just always fell apart you know it was almost a Hungarian uh, Irish co-production and it came very close and I think there was some sort of scandal with the Hungarian film fund and they fell apart or something and that that, that, that made a, a great place to shoot a uh, western this is a long time ago yeah. now this is 10 years ago maybe and then um, uh, Mickey Rourke was attached at one point and uh, Damien Lewis was attached to play Patrick and it was going to be a Italian um, Irish co-production but for some I can't remember the exact reason but that fell apart as well no, it was never because of the script, because they found it script yeah. difficult or because they found, oh, making a Western is risky or anything like that. Never, that never came into it. It was always for like a hundred thousand of the financing fell apart. Something very small thing. But you know what it's like when you're making films. These things happen all the time, you know. And um, uh, But then it finally came to better, together with the Luxembourg Film Fund's help and the, uh, Screen Ireland and stuff. And it felt like the right time for me as a director. I'm so glad it took 10 years because I don't think I would have been ready for it. 10 years ago. That's, it. That's really interesting, yeah. yeah. So the, the, the right film got made, basically. At the right time. time. At the right time. Definitely did. And I felt yeah. like I was able to use everything I'd learned over those years. You had so many problems, you know, with, with the weather and the mud and the huge cast and the Hollywood stars and the uh, huge crew and going between four different locations, countries. And I felt like I was totally ready for it, you know. Well, I really hope it works out well. I hope, uh, and I look forward, when are you shooting your next film? Um, well, it's been pushed back twice. This is the nature of the game, you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, we're hoping to begin pre-production in mid-September and shoot in October into December in the in Tennessee. Okay. Yeah. So it's going to be a full-on American? Yeah, it's set production. in America. Yeah. Can and you talk a bit about the premise or is it... Well, I don't want to give away too much. It's about a um, single mother who has a dark past and it comes back to haunt her. But it's mostly it's mostly a two-hander between her and her son. Okay. And um, we're casting the boy in America in the States. And um, uh, Andy Matlicek is starring in it. She was in those latest Halloween... Oh, uh, yes. Halloween film. And, and uh, she's in the next two as well. She's the daughter. Like, the daughter, yeah. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's a good script, good strong, and I'm really, uh, it's, I'm really going to push things visually with this one and, and with sound as well. I look forward to it. So, w- would you say which genre are you comfortable with? Do you think? I mean, oh, I, I want to make uh, everything. I was just, I'm looking for at the moment. I, I kind of because Never Grow Old was quite, very ambitious, like a western. I kind of want to make something. Always have something on the horizon, or that's going to be next. That that's that's ambitious. That's big, you know. So I was looking for something in science fiction, or I'd love to do a good war film. Um, I grew up in a household where my father was always watching classic genre films, and my uncle was always into um, who lived with us was always into um, uh, Bergman stuff like that. So I, I had a good education in film from an that early. That was age. a nice balanced uh, uh, upbringing. Yeah, my father is a, has a, an encyclopedic knowledge of uh, character actors. Still has. Oh yeah, my, my, they're the only actors for me, your character actors. Oh, I love character actors. That's why I have a son. My next one is going to be filled with these great character actors. I wrote it like that's a road movie. I've been binging on Preston Sturges there recently. Oh, so good, that guy. And yeah. just, it's have like you a, seen uh, Miracle of Mor- Morgan Creek? Uh, it's been a long time. That's hard to get. It's yeah. a really tough one to get. I found it on YouTube uh, a while back. Yeah. Did you? I'm going to look again, so because it pops up and up back, down. Back on me. Yeah. But that's, how did he get that made in 1946? He was, was, he was a master at it. If you look at even, um, was it the flower at the Palm Beach story? Yeah. I mean, it's full of innuendo. Yeah. It's just fantastic. Lady Eve is my favorite. That's oh, so good. The dirtiest film ever yeah. made. <laughs> Barbara Stanwyck is so good. Oh, I, I, I was blown away. I only saw that five years ago. Yeah. And I've watched it three times since. Amazing, amazing. And Henry Fonda is absolutely fantastic. He's so funny, it. you know. He's a straight guy, you know. But my, um, my wife... Uh, she wasn't into, into that, um, hadn't seen that many classic films, but she's a uh, uh, real big uh, Barbara Stanwyck fan now. She she just wants to devour everything she was in, you know? Because uh, you, you just don't see, uh, especially uh, actresses like that anymore. You just, no, you know? I, 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 I totally agree. I, what's the terrible thing about modern television is it doesn't have any history anymore. No, everything's a throwaway. Everything's the last year or something, yeah. you know? Whereas with our generation, I know I'm older than you, but we're close enough that we say, like our generation, we had like 50, 60 years of filmmaking yeah. on our TV set in a yeah. week. Yeah, yeah. You could turn on Friday, you got Harold Lloyd. Uh, Harold Lloyd show, do you remember that? Yeah, you yeah, got yeah. Harold Lloyd. You had, yeah, and, and, you, and you had a learning, and you had a thing called black and white. Yeah. I've heard there's kids going to the film school now, and they go, oh, it's watch black and white. Well, they don't teach anything, and I heard in some film schools uh, before 1977, Star Wars, you know? That's shocking. I think yeah. that's a real because, like again, the the cultural learning from what output of cinema from any country, whether it be America or France yeah. or anywhere else, yeah. it says so much about a time and place. It's Absolutely. amazing to yeah. examine a country through with the, its its uh, cinema culture. That's why it's so exciting about Irish cinema, though. I think, and I thought that when I began, we don't really have that. No, we have we have, a, we have a Irish Americans coming over making interesting films, uh, John Ford and stuff, and. I still think The Quiet Man is one of the great... I love The Quiet Man. I think it's great. It's a uh, beautiful, poetic film, you know? And it's a dream. It's a fairy tale. But but but, it, but it's beautifully made and, and beautifully shot and acted. And You I see, it. I think it gets confused with this notion of paddy wackery that we have that goes into other cultures' understanding of us. It, it gets tired with that brush and it doesn't deserve it for no. a second. No. Because it's, even, it's a deeper actual analysis of being Irish. And yeah. Ford was a good Irish-American man. He really did embrace Absolutely. That, that Galway part of his whole... You understood it. Yeah. yeah. But we're getting off track. Look, 
I look forward to your next film. Thanks, man. And I hope people will go and uh, see this film and uh, look forward to it too. Absolutely. And I go on to see it in the cinema because it needs yeah. to be seen in the cinema, I hope. Well, people should go and see the cinema more anyway. Full yeah. stop. Yeah, it's true. Ivan, thank you so much for Thanks, coming man. in. Uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I look forward to seeing more of your, your work. Cheers. Thanks. Thanks.